baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And John on Memphis's Sports Station, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Who that? Who that? Who that, who that, man, this what you been waiting for I mean, the game was all bad just a week ago Rappers was listening, I ain't hating, no Cause now I'm getting hot enough to fuck with one and stay at home And she can't tell the difference I've been through hell conditions Wishing for air conditioning Feeling God was never listening Now I'm on television And did I fail the mission? Your girl is hot, a missionary Boy, you fail the mission Speaking of positions, just witness how I elevated Real if you celebrated Finger poke, whoever hated My life accelerated But had to wait my turn Then I redecorated that mean my table's turn. Live life, might as well. Only way to learn is try and fail. Clients are the only way to earn. So if you're selling, selling or if you're selling rap, make sure it's mean so the fiends keep on selling back. Who that? Who that? I got that flame. Who that? Who that? I got that flame. Who that? Who that? I got that flame. So don't worry about, don't worry about my name. I got a flame. All right. You're rolling with Jason and John, 92.9 FM ESPN. Well, that wasn't what we expected, except for the fact, I guess, that it was a win. Memphis beats UTSA, avoids upset, really a disaster, winning 107-101 in overtime. We are going to talk about it today. I guess just the good thing is the Tigers come out winners in a world, in a college basketball world, where you saw ranked teams going down left and right yesterday. I think five of them. Five, I counted, might have been more, lost to unranked teams. The Tigers were close to being one. They trailed by four with just about a minute left. Down at FedEx Forum, again, a 7-8 and eight UTSA team. It was everything you thought it wouldn't be, or at least I thought it wouldn't be. Thought this would be the one you can control. So we got to talk about it. We'll do it today. Minus John Martin, he's down for a third straight day. I'm starting to think, you know, this guy was out for about a week with gastritis. You know, gas. In other words, so I'm starting with this flu bug going around. John could be out six to eight. Who knows? Uh, Brad Carson also out, but I am very fortunate to be joined by the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show and the man I look to as my Grizzlies expert, Connor Dunning. He's joining me today in Brad's stead, and I very much Connor, give yourself a round of applause, please. I I insist. I don't know where the button is on y'all's. Oh page. my goodness, we can't <laughs> even we can't even get a round of applause out. We'll be minus John's. Jokes, uh, betting lines, all of that. But Lord knows that if you just look around the sports world, there is plenty to talk about. My gosh, the bombshells started dropping yesterday. I guess the Pete Carroll news was what we got. But then you got the Saban news. My goodness, stepping down uh, at Alabama, that one was shocking. And then this morning, and I suppose this press conference, I believe, was scheduled to go off right here at the top of the hour with us. Bill Belichick, like we thought, anticipated, expected, I think at this point, uh, looks like they'll be parting ways. Uh, He'll be parting ways after 24, 24 seasons with the New England Patriots. So it's we've got goats stepping away from the respective dynasties that they've built. So, you know, and Pete Carroll is is an accomplished one on his own. What what, I'm only three guys to win a a national championship in college football and also a Super Bowl. He kind of does. I mean, he he kind of becomes you you push him to the back burner with uh, with how big the news has been in the coaching world. And looks like there continues to be news because, of course, everybody with Nick Saban stepping down in Alabama, who's the favorite, who's the favorite, who's who's getting that job? We've been talking about it immediately. Looked like Dan Lanning was the betting favorite, the Oregon coach. But I think I just saw before we came on that he is, at least I saw one report that said he's staying at Oregon. And so the trickle-down effect will be interesting because, again, the early word, or at least the the betting favorite so far or up to this point, had been Dan Lanning, the Oregon coach, to replace Nick Saban. So we got so much to get to. I mean, just comparing the two guys in itself, two guys that actually Nick Saban at one point worked for Bill Belichick in Cleveland, two guys as, as connected as friends and former colleagues, uh, that went on to become obviously goats um, 
so many things to talk about with the two of them stepping down, including, you know, who replaces both of them, obviously. So a lot to get to with that. Just bombshells in the coaching world dropping. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies made pretty big news because I loved it. They signed up Vince Williams Jr. to a new contract. Did have to waive Bismack Biombo uh, uh, as a result. Um, Grizzlies going to be back on the court, obviously, tomorrow against the Clippers. But I love the signing. I think Woj uh, had some of the details, three-year deal, a deal that you really got to like and a deal I'll be interested to hear what my man Connor Dunning, who I know loves him some Vince Williams Jr., has to think about it. I mean, I, I, I we said it. I mean, Vince Vince Williams Jr. had proved he should be a full-time member of this rotation. It was only a matter of time on that two-way deal before you converted him. And, yeah, maybe the timing of it was a little bit of a surprise, but not the fact that they went full-time. Right, Connor? I mean, that right. this was this was this was a no-brainer. Were you surprised by the timing at all? I think the I think the jaw injury changed it because, in my opinion, they were trying to figure out if they were going to make a move for a depth piece to try to help them maybe make it into the play-in this year and try to find a guy that might also be able to help for the next two, three, four seasons. But when Ja went out, in my opinion, I think the front office said, okay, they're going to compete in games, they're, gonna, they're still going to win some, but the play-in and the playoffs are, are probably unlikely at this point. So let's go ahead and get him his money and figure out how we can get this roster I'm together with you. moving forward. I'm completely with you, and I think that's where they're at. We had uh, college basketball, obviously. We had Memphis avoiding the upset bug last night, and we'll talk about that here shortly. But like we said, plenty of ranked teams went down, including number 3 Kansas lost to unranked UCF, uh, Memphis's former conference mate, uh, now in the Big 12, Tennessee. Number five, Tennessee went down to an unranked Mississippi State team, one that had been in the polls earlier this season. Um, we'll talk about that, but like we said, a lot of a lot of folks went down in college basketball. Fortunately for Memphis, it was not they were not one of them. And then a uh, little bit of Memphis news because Penny Hardaway finally sort of spoke on it yesterday. A little bit more of Memphis basketball news. We'll get to it. Um, but we also uh, he spoke on it. M- Mikey Williams obviously has decided to enter the transfer portal. The Memphis signee who had been enrolled at least in online classes had the legal issues. At one point, says the plan is still to come to Memphis, whether it's now or next year. Obviously, change that plan. Jumps in the transfer portal. Penny Hardaway's spoken about it since. And Mikey Williams' attorney, uh, who came on with us, has uh, dropped a statement yesterday that also tries to explain Mikey Williams' side. And there, there's a, we won't spend much time on it, but a couple of interesting things. I'm just curious, you know, are, with with how far Penny continues to go to say, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I'll stick my neck out for guys like Mikey Williams. And, and, he, and he said after the game last night after the win that, you know, he's going to continue to stay in contact with Mikey Williams, even with Mikey and J.J. Taylor both uh, leaving, says he wants the best for them. Just that relationship he's apparently formed and the sort of holdup, you just uh, uh, got a couple of questions uh, I, I think are fair to ask at this point about those two's relationship and yeah, just how badly Penny Hardaway seemed to want Mikey Williams here. Um, we'll talk about why he's not coming in the transfer portal, everything else. Well, before we do all that, though, let me set up the show. 11.30 or so, we'll talk to Daily Memphian Grizzlies beat writer Drew Hill, like we're fortunate enough to do every Thursday. We'll talk about Vince Williams' new contract, cutting Biombo, uh, Grizzlies' three-game winning streak, Im- improving defense up to number nine last I looked overall. I was listening to Harrington this morning on Calkins' show. I think it's since late November. They're fourth in the league in defensive rating. Vince Williams, Jr., as Connor pointed out, obviously a huge part of that. Uh, we'll talk to Drew about all of that, as well as some. I mean, Drew's an Alabama man. We'll talk Nick Saban with him, and I guess the uh, who you want now if you're if you're an Alabama fan to replace Nick Saban, especially if Dan Lanning is the first guy or at least one of the top guys, and he's off the board at 125 or so. We'll talk to Daily Memphian columnist Jeff Calkins again about the uh, the Tigers' close call last night. Uh, the take on his departures of Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Grizzlies, and then and then whatever comes up, you know, whatever else comes up, Taco Bell, whatever else. So, ton to get to. Let's start with last night at FedEx Forum. Javon Quinterly uh, scores nine of his twenty-five in overtime. I, you know, just just looking at the words themselves that I put out here with Javon's point, it's it's kind of hard to believe that Memphis again after two straight. I mean, let's 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 say it for what it was. I mean, down to the wire, death struggles where you needed to Javon currently three to win them both against Tulsa and SMU. You are right back in the same situation with possibly, and they didn't play like it last night. You've got to tip your cap to UTSA, but possibly the worst team in the conference. UTSA was picked before the before the season to finish last in the conference. They came into this game with a defense ranked 311th, and you looked at them and you said, well, this is the game that Memphis is going to control, and we can just fast forward to the end. They did not. I mean, it was, 
you know, whether it was UTSA knocking down one of their 17 threes, I believe it was, or, you know, just Memphis's inability in that second half to stop anything. UTSA scored 57 points. And here was the thing. You knew coming in that this was a team that liked to shoot the three. And Penny Hardaway's talked about that, and Memphis certainly was aware of that, and yet you could not stop it last night, um, particularly the, the, the perimeter defense. Um, uh, disappointing to say the least, but it, forget disappointing, it almost led to disaster. Uh, but like we said, in the end, Memphis gets the win. Javon Quinley, 25 points. Uh, David Jones, 26 points and 11 rebounds. Nick Jordan, who let's, let's be real uh, – we have talked a ton about Naquan Tomlin and the addition uh, that he's come, you know, what he can be. And sort of some people have said, you know, you squint your eyes and there's times where you, you think you're watching DeAndre Williams out there. Malcolm Dandridge, we've talked about, who's been fantastic here in his final season. But Memphis's best big right now is Nick Jordan. And he showed it again last night, just in terms of what you're getting from him from a production standpoint. 18 points, 12 rebounds, had a couple of blocks too um, in a game where you had to have it. Again, I could start this conversation with the disappointment in terms of the way you played, and Penny pretty much said it afterwards. We should have lost. Again, you are down four with Connor about a minute to play, and, and again, at home to a UTSA team that's 285 in the net at 285 in Ken Palm. And this is, we, we had just talked about it. If Memphis is going to move up in the net rankings and everything else, and, you know, how much net rankings matter to a selection committee, it's not the end all be all. But one of the reasons Memphis is stuck in the low 40s is because you've been playing with this team or, or, or certainly down to their level. It's inferior competition, and you've played down to your level, and it's one of the reasons you're in this point. And so again, it's one of the reasons you thought they would control yesterday. You're right back into that situation. Maybe future Tiger, Jordan Ivy Curry, I'm joking a little bit. Uh, this UTSA guard that hit him for 28 points and nine rebounds, they just could not stop. And again, here, here's my, my issue. This is not some incapable defensive team when it comes to Memphis. They came into this game 30th in the country in defensive rating. In fact, their defensive rating had been better than their offensive rating for most of the season. Now, you lose Caleb Mills, your best perimeter defender, a glue guy offensively, but let's be there were times this year where he is locking down guys defensively, and, and he loved the challenge of it. So it was easy to give him that, and he had done it against Missouri uh, after West had had a hot first half, shut him down in the second half. Point is, he's one of your guys out there, and you've lost that, and you've lost it for the season. But you are still, with your length, with the way that you are able to force turnovers, you are still a capable defensive team. And so to give up, what, 57 points in a second half – to UT, a UTSA team that's 285 in the net at Ken Palm is unacceptable. It truly is. And and listen, I had been that guy that's saying, hey, John, stop worrying about a two or a three seed and how much you're beating these teams by. Go back to your point. As long as you're not stepping on the Legos, as we've called these AAC teams, those those Legos you step on the living room that could really hurt you, then you're fine. And I, and I had been on that side, even through some of these close wins. But clearly, and, and we saw it, and I'll just use the Philadelphia Eagles as an example. At one point, we're saying at 10-1, and one, they're just finding ways to win. That's what makes them a great team. And then they collapse down the stretch. Now, I'm not suggesting Memphis is going to collapse, but what I am saying is when there is writing on the wall, right, we are playing down to the level of these. And if we keep doing it, we're going to put ourselves in a position where we've got more losses than Penny Hardaway says we need to win this conference title. Remember earlier this week on his coaches show, says you don't, you can't lose more than two in this conference, he believes, in terms of winning the regular season conference title. So I had been that guy that had said, hey, man, as long as you're getting the wins, you're fine, you're fine. But, again, are we going to continue to ignore the writing on the wall at the very least? I mean, there were defensive lapses you can point to last night, but at the very least it is obvious that Memphis, for whatever reason, Right. And, and again, some of it is the fact that you've got that number 13 in front of you. It goes without saying that you're going to get the best shot from these guys. Pity Hardaway's telling them that. But here's my issue. If you know, Connor, that this is a, a, a team that's going to get, wants to get a lot of what it gets offensively from the three point line. And you've communicated that to your team because I saw some of you know, Pity Hardaway saying we had them prepared and everything else. And it's not happening. Right, I, we can put that on your experienced players, and we can. I mean, again, there were lapses. There are times where guys are switching when they don't need to. We can throw it all at them and at their feet, 
But if the if the the preparation for this, and in this case, guarding the three point line, isn't getting through, and the guys aren't executing on the floor, it's all of your problem. It's a it's a coaching issue right now, and it's a player issue right now. And my point is, if you keep playing with fire, I hate to go back to a cliche, you're you're going to get burned. And so, in the end. No, you look around college basketball, and Memphis does have a strength, right? Because of guys like Javon Quinterly, who have shown us, who has shown us this season, he can be having a bad game, but then step up and still hit the big shot for you. And we've seen that against Tulsa and against SMU. And and last night there were times where you're you're you know Javon Quinterly's turning the ball over. What's going on? But in the end, he is the one. We we Connor, we had asked before the season with all these new guys, who's going to be the guy at the end of the game that takes the shot. We knew who it was last year, even before the season started, was going to be Kendrick Davis. You had two guys. It all revolved around him and DeAndre. But with, with this season and all these guys, including Caleb Mills at that point this preseason, right, who had taken shots at Florida State and for Houston, we said, who's going to be that guy that takes the final shot? Well, Javon Quinley has showed you it's him. Like, we, we know who it is right now. And he's proven, too, that, like we said, he can be playing poorly and still be capable. That's why you call him a gamer of, of taking that shot in the end and you're comfortable with him. And he's continued to do it. He does it last night with the huge four-point play to start overtime. And it's, my gosh, a, a game that I watched, I'll be honest with you, I'm watching that game upstairs in my house, my kids downstairs, and my wife. I, I, I'm gone for two and a half hours because I didn't think I'd have to be this locked in. I'm at the edge of my seat. My heart's in my throat at the end of the game. At one point, I'm texting Bennett. We're trying John. He's down. John's on his damn deathbed. He ain't responding to anything. I don't even think he saw the game. The guy's out. Flu's got him down. But my point is, I, I, my my heart was in my throat. I thought I'm going to have to, at one point, that I'm, I'm going to have to come in here today, likely without uh, uh, without John, flapping my gums and trying to explain how Memphis now, a Memphis team that was ranked 13th in the country that we all felt good about, has now got a worse loss than anything FAU has, than, than, than losing to Earl Timberlake and Bryant, because this would have been on your home floor. That's where I thought we were at. And, I, and, and again, with, all, with, with apologies to my wife and everything else, it didn't need to be like, I didn't, I, we didn't need to be that locked in. There, there, two things can be true. You can, be, you can feel great. That Memphis, again, thanks to Javon Quinley, David Jones made some free throws to force it in overtime. I could go down the list, Nicholas Jordan. You can feel good that they came through, found a way to win. And, again, that it, what's happening in college basketball is not happening right now to you. Memphis's nine-game winning streak now is the fifth longest active winning streak in the country. That's a strength. Memphis, even when playing poorly, can find ways to win. But like we said, two things can be true. And right now, there is a disconnect Sometimes it, it's weird how it feel, it, it kind of drifts to both sides. There are times, including the first half against SMU, where it feels like Memphis, first half against Villanova, where it feels like Memphis is so disconnected offensively. It's taking turns and everything else. There are times where the ball's running through Javon Quinley. Sometimes it's through the post and Jordan and we're seeing with Tomlin, where it flows and it looks good. Last night we saw the, we saw the same thing. We, we saw the defense, the defensive side, disconnected, allowing 57 points and a half to UTSA. Um, it, two things can be true in that you can feel great about Memphis finding ways to win, and that can be a thing that certainly pays off come March and can pay off in a deep run. But this has been too close for comfort against some inferior teams in the AAC. And, oh, by the way, you got at least 13 more of these type games Teams, in most cases, not going to be as bad as UTSA. I mean, this we're talking bottom of the AAC here. You've, you've got so many more of those if you keep playing with fire. You are going to have a loss or two or three or four if you keep playing like this that at that point y- you won't be able to feel so good about this Memphis team that has found ways to win through like those Philly fans were feeling at one point this season rather than, again, uh, uh, recognizing the writing on the wall that there are some things that are broken here. And so, the, listen, I, I – I, I, I hope that's not coming off as too critical after what, what was clearly a great win. And like we point out, I mean, Memphis has got a winning streak going. Kansas is going down. Tennessee's going down. There's a good chance if Memphis takes care of business at Wichita State this weekend, you're going to be in the top 10. I mean, you got to go back again to 07, 08, 08, 09 to find a Memphis team this late in the season ranked that high. But I still think it is critical. And, and again, I'm, last night's game should re- remind you that you can feel good about it, but still no, man. 
they have got some things in terms of disconnect at times that they've got to get worked out. The, Naquan Tomlin right now feels like he had his best games when he first, you know, it, it, when he first arrived because the last two or three, it's sort of been discombobulated. You've got to get him back reincorporated. Um, in the end, though, you're just you're fortunate that again, and this goes back to the coach that you were able to go out and get guys like Javon Quinterly in the transfer portal, and you can trust them at the end of games when everything's going crazy, all hell's breaking loose. Um, this is what we talked about preseason. This is the benefit of having guys like that who have been through things. Javon Quinterly, a former SEC tournament MVP, you go out, you get those guys, and you can win close games like this. I will say some, some people said that I had uh, – tweeted at me last night or X'd at me, whatever we're calling it now, that previous Memphis teams wouldn't have won these games. And Penny Hardaway's never been 3-0 in conference. We told... Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Those conference road openers like that one at Tulsa, he usually dropped 80% of the time. He'd lost four or five. They're hard, they, for whatever reason, they had been tough for his Memphis team. This Memphis team is different and different in the sense that, again, you've never been 3-0 in conference, and you've found ways to win. But let's not keep playing with firemen, especially when it comes to these lower-level teams. Now, I tell you, going out on the road, you know, in the American, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that Memphis could lose any one of them, but there will be nights and days, Wichita State is, has notoriously been a tough place to play where there's a droppable game. I'm not telling you Memphis has to go 18-0 and 0 here, but I am with Penny. If you're going to be around two or three losses in this conference and you want those to be respectable losses, last night would not have been. You're going to have to cl- get it cleaned up, particularly defensively. You dropped last night from 30th to 44, 44th. I mean, that, that's a substantial drop in defensive rating off of one game. My 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 thing is that you, if you keep you know if you keep underestimating or not understanding, and these veteran players should, that you are going to get maximum effort, um um ab- ab- above their own ceiling performances. I think back to PJ Haggerty from Tulsa. You, you saw the kid last night. Now you know knocking him off Jordan Ivy. You know the, you're going to continue to get that. You've got to understand you're going to get that best shot. You are no longer the team that's not getting respect. That, that, this is a good way to put a bow on this. You, and, and, and I'm sure guys like Quinterly would, 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 would say that and understand that, but they've got to understand on the floor, you are no longer the, the team that was, remember Penny Hardaway early this season? They were. They were underranked, everything else. They, they broke in. You, you are now the team that's getting the respect. And every single night you are the team, including against UTSA last night, you make their season if they can knock you off. The sooner Memphis can understand that, that it's going to be every night like this, even against these inferior, in some cases, dog teams, the, 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 the sooner I think you'll get to a point where because of the talent level, because of the depth you've got, you, you'll control these games like you should, and then that net ranking and everything else should take care of itself. In the end, the win is all that matters. Memphis gets it. It's got a lot of, you know, a lot of guys to be thankful for. All of these, you know, the, uh, the ones that, all the ones that, the, the, you know, the big performances last night, all guys that you, you brought in, um, maybe Nick Jordan, you're not expecting to, you know, to have to rely so heavily on him like you did last night. But again, I would say that he and Malco, they've been fine. They, it, you know, they can get to a point where they've got a really strong front court if they can get Naquan Tomlin sort of comfortable. You know, he's hacking on the defensive end right now. He's got to stop that. Help right now, they can't keep him on the floor. And so you've got to get him back comfortable. But, again, feel good. Feel great that you've got the fifth best winning streak, active winning streak in college basketball, everybody going down. Don't get me wrong. Like, you're finding a way to get wins in, in, in spots where, damn. I mean, Penny, even Penny, again, said probably should have lost last night. Down four with uh, just over a minute left. I mean, but. Um, they got some things to get cleaned up, and I don't think I had a little bit of this at back. At, I had a little bit of this thrown at me last night. This team is not above criticism because of its ranking. There are things still to get cleaned up. They are certainly capable of it, and you're hoping, man, 
that each of these next 15 conference games ain't the potential heart attack that they almost gave all of us last night. I heard half of, people, half of the people that called into Jeff this morning were saying last night was fun. It was fun to get the dub. If that had been an L, it's dark around here today. Like I said, I'm having to flap my gun, trying to explain how you got a worse loss than FAU. Praise God they're not in the, we're not in that position today. Praise God for Javon Quinnley's gamership at the the way he the way he is again, even when struggling. I don't care. I'm the one that's gonna take the shot. Who they've needed it. Thank you, NIL. You know, because again, and this is where I there are previous Penny Hardaway teams and pretty plenty of Josh Passner teams, Tubby Smith teams would have lost in these situations. Memphis found a way to win. We can focus on that, but we can also be truthful with ourselves and say there are some uh, there are some things to clean up. Now we've got a ton more to get to, um, including to Drew Hill here after the break, including to uh, Bill Belichick stepping away, or obviously, or however you want to frame that, a parting of ways. Nick Saban stepping down. Um, and then, But before we do, let me tell you, when it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got uh, to win one game at a time. We know that. But when you bet the NFL on FanDuel, you might not have known that one game could mean a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, has all your favorite bets, like the money line, the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. You're going to love the pre-made SGPs, especially if you're a new user, not used to putting together a same-game parlay. Nice little way to get your toe in the water. And right now, every day, there's an NFL playoff game. you got three days of it this weekend. FanDuel's giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay. It's not just new customers. That's all customers. It means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your SGP does not win. Just visit FanDuel.com slash JSmith if you don't already have an account. Make every moment more. Of course, with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL, number 929 FM ESPN. Must be 21 or older and present in Tennessee. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issues, non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund, five bucks, unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem called Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. Now. Back to the Jason and John Show, live from the Leaders Credit Union Studios. Let Leaders Credit Union champion your financial story at leaderscu.com slash ESPN, 92.9 FM, ESPN. His name is Drew Hill. He's a smooth one. Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian. You can read him at dailymemphian.com. You should be doing that. Follow him on X at Drew Hill underscore DM. Man, he's an Alabama man, too. Uh, so we not, certainly know there's news there. Interested in his opinion on who the Crimson side should go after. I don't think Drew Hill, from what I saw tweeted, was too surprised when the Nick Saban news came down. We can get to that, but we'll, we'll, we'll do that later, Drew. Saw there was breaking news. Connor just dropped it on my head. The Grizzlies have announced that uh, Marcus Smart's going to be reevaluated in six weeks after being diagnosed with a rupture of the, let me see if I can get this, proximal interphalangeal joint central slip. Something in his finger. We said dislocated. Um, my gosh, Drew, the uh, the injury news just keeps coming. They keep you writing. Yeah, well, without cheating, can you spell interphalangeal? No, no. and I'm already looking at it. So maybe, maybe <laughs> back when I was uh, in my beat writing days, back when I was up on my spelling and everything else, you know, in this radio gig, I don't have to, I'm not chained to that computer and typing out and stuff. Maybe back then I could have done it, not now. Not now. Have you have you ever written those words? Proximal interphalangeal joint central slip. Is it the first time? No, but I was staring at my phone and typing on the computer at the same time because there's no way I would have spelled that correctly either. Um, Do you suspect no, it would well, be this long? I guess. I did. I'm going to be okay. honest. Right. It looked bad in the locker room afterwards. And if it's just a dislocated finger, you might be like, "Oh, they'll just pop it back in. That's what I was It'll be fine." No, because like it does damage when stuff like that happens. Very true. And the finger was going the wrong way. Like, uh, it just it, it never looked good, to be honest with you. Um, but what Marcus said is that you know during a storm you gotta you, you gotta have a, a storm before the rainbow. And what T. Morant said as I talked to him, uh, which was actually at the halftime at halftime of the Mavericks game. He said the same thing, you know, we're trying to get Ja to look for the rainbow right now. And I think that applies to uh, every Grizzlies fan everywhere. Take the advice of Marcus Smart, take the advice of T. Morant, and look for the rainbow amid this storm. But I just, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to end? It is a, this season has just been a marathon and it's just been 
painful uh, already, and I feel for those guys in that locker room, to be honest with you, because they had really high expectations coming into this year, and I know Marcus in particular was really excited to join this team. Um, obviously, it hurt that Boston traded him away, and he loved it there. But then he, he uh, you know, after talking to people around him and talking to Marcus himself as the season approached, he was like, man, I, you know, at least I got traded to a good team and we're going to be competitive. And, yeah. and it just hasn't worked out that way this season. It's just such a bummer. No, the, and, and, and what makes it do- doubly tough is that, I mean, you touched on it. Marcus Smart, what, what it was, the first time in his career, he gone over 20 points in three straight games, like the way he was shooting the ball the last three games, he's giving you the best basketball you'd seen of him as a Grizzly, and it's helping you, I suppose, I mean, you know, I, I, again, it's just a, th- a three-game stretch, but when he's on the floor, it can help you make those decisions in terms of future decisions on him. Is he, is he going to be a part of this rotation going forward? It, uh, should he be part of a trade asset? Again, I was telling Connor, if there's some deal that you just can't turn down, you know, him being out there helps you make those decisions when he's gone, particularly at a time where he's playing so well. You know, oh, now this is what we envisioned for him. You can see it for three games. Now it's gone. How much does it affect planning, or does it? How much does it affect planning going forward, um, him being out? Obviously, he's, this is not John Moran. He's not gone for the season. But with him playing so well at that time, how much does it affect planning going forward? I don't think it affects planning going forward uh, unless there's this concern with the injury history now. Right. Like, if, if you don't think he can stay healthy – that's part of it. Season. That yep. and it, and that certainly is part of it. Then I think you have to take that into consideration. But um, I mean, I usually don't self promote here, but I've written a whole bunch over these last few days. I think there's some really good insight in a lot of the and and on point insight in a lot of the pieces I wrote. And one of the things is that I I just you know it was always a possibility that the Grizzlies now that it doesn't look like they're really going to be competitive we're maybe going to move on from one of their pieces like a Bismack Biombo, or maybe, maybe a playoff contender would have come calling on a Xavier Tillman. Um, if, if they could get a second round pick and, or whatever, but obviously now he's like one of your only centers left on the roster. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but like, and I, I said in that piece that I think they probably want to see out this Marcus smart deal because they, got such a small sample size with Ja. Right. And honestly, it was going well. Um, And so it's just, that's a huge bummer. So I would not be surprised at all if they still want to see that out and they want to see Marcus play alongside Ja for an extended period of time. And then, you know, you could make a deal next season if it's not working out. But you're not going to get the return that you got uh, that you traded away for Marcus Smart. Like, you're just not going to. They gave up two first-round picks to get him. Um, They valued him probably – they they probably valued him more than most teams in the league would. Um, And so – and that's not a knock on Marcus at all. I think what he brings from a leadership standpoint is really uh, valuable to the Grizzlies. So I I don't criticize that move whatsoever – it just sucks that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And as you mentioned, I think these three teams, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it may have been the best basketball he was playing in his career. Definitely like, offensively. Early, yes. Yeah. Yes. Early in the season, he was being asked to do more than he ever has. No, no doubt. Like his usage rate was through the roof. Um, and that's really not what Marcus was comfortable with. It's not a role that he's played, right? And so I, I think he got more comfortable as the season went along, and you could really see him start to blossom, and then this happens. It's just been the story of the season. Like It's just, it's just bad break after bad break. All right, well, the Grizzly, you're in, you're, you're dead on. Uh, agree with everything you said on, on Smart. Um, we saw the news they announced it had been broken before. We saw Vince Williams Jr. gets his contract. Um, how good a deal, how great a deal, because I want to use that word because I love it, um, is it in, in, in your eyes? Oh, it's a great deal um, because to get him for three years, I mean, as long as he continues to play this way, I think it's a fantastic deal because – that contract is he's going to outplay that contract no question. which is very close to uh the minimum 
uh, as long as he's able to stay healthy and stay on the floor. And he's already more valuable than that to this Grizzlies team. Um, and if you can get him to be used in a role that really suits him, and again, he's another guy that's being asked to do more than he's ever been asked to do uh, by far because uh, he wasn't even in the rotation a season ago. And you could theoretically, you know, if the team is, is well-structured um, and competitive, like he could be a very useful piece for you um, when your starters are potentially in foul trouble or um, just to have a, a guy that can come off the bench and try to stop some of these top players on the other team. Like I think it's a fantastic deal for the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm happy for Vince that he – was able to uh, get that done, and I I just love being around, like watching Vince, like just to watch the way that he operates. To me, is so interesting because he's not a talker; like he's very, mm-hmm. very quiet, quiet around his teammates, quiet in the locker room. And then he gets out on the floor, and he is a total junkyard dog. He is talking to everybody. Um, I see the Pat Beverly comparisons now that he kind of made uh, earlier this season. I, I totally see it, um, and I love it. It's just a joy to watch. It's really fun. Um, he is as competitive as anyone on the team, and you just you would never guess that if you just stood around in the locker room. But, man, the second he steps on that floor – He's just a different person, and that's pretty cool to see. Well, I know it. I knew, I knew it. You know, from you all's work at the Daily Memphis and you and Harrington and, and and Connor was pointing it out. Like when when Vince has been on the floor in some lineups that included Jaron, I suppose Smart as well. Like it's been lockdown city, and I think I heard heard you guys talking about it. Harrington said they've been fourth best defensive rating since what late November. I think twenty ninth, maybe I saw it was whatever it is late November. I know the last I looked, they were up to ninth overall, and. My, my, going back to the, the the when Vince is on the floor with some of those with Jaron, I mean defensive player of the year with, with with Marcus Smart. To your point about seeing this through, you have seen in the little bit of stretches that we like some lockdown shutdown type defense that I I suppose would make you. I mean you think about the future and, and right now it feels like it's a long way off, but that's something you want to see again and a reason why you wouldn't make a move to your point on on Marcus Smart, especially with what you've invested. But with yeah. Vince on the floor with those guys, like it's lockdown or it has yeah. been for what we've seen. Definitely, and that's that's I mean the point you're get, getting to there, I think is one of the most interesting things um, because from a fit perspective it really does seem like the Grizzlies have great fits on the roster. They just don't have fits that are healthy. Right now, Stephen right. Adams is a fantastic fit. Like he's literally the perfect fit alongside Jaron and and alongside Ja, yep. and even Bain. I mean, he's been tremendous with Bain on the floor. Um, and so I think that you know that that's key. Brandon Clark, a fantastic fit alongside this team, plays great next to Jaron, plays great with Ja. Vince Williams, a fantastic fit, as we've seen, um, alongside these guys. So they have pieces that fit. And Marcus was just starting to get some momentum with those guys. Um, and now the question is, how do you project the future? How do you, do you think Steven Adams is going to come back and be the same force? I know they're working closely with the people that are helping him through his rehab. Do you think that Brandon Clark is going to be the same Brandon Clark? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Marcus Smart's going to be able to stay healthy and stay on the floor for you? Um, and so you have pieces that fit, and that matters in the NBA. And I think that um, theoretically this team should be incredibly competitive next season if everybody can be on the floor. Unfortunately, it just has not worked out that way. Um how would you characterize Bain's chances of being an all-star? I'm just curious. You, you, you can shoot me down right here, or does he have one? Is it a long shot? Just because I'm, I've, my fandom of him just – my fandom of, of Bain just continues to go up because, I mean, he's almost become a master, it feels like, in terms of the angles he's using. Guy that everybody said, you know, had short arms, whatever else, not going to be a guy that's uh, super athletic or dunking on people because of that. I mean, the, his mastery of the angles off the glass getting downhill has, has gotten to a point where it feels like it's just as impressive – Drew, to me, is his, as his long-range shooting ability. We saw him get double-digit assists the other night. He's gotten better defensively. Um, so I got nothing but praise for the guy. And he's out there every night. Um, what are the chances that he could be an all-star this year? And I realize the Grizzlies' record's probably going to play into that. 
Yeah, it will. Um, to be honest, I don't think they're very high bad. because okay. the fan voting um, that always hurts go in his favor. Right. If somebody were to get hurt, if one of these guards were to get hurt, um, I think he'll have a real chance of being a, a replacement uh, okay. in the All Star game. So, just want a tip check. Yeah, what you I thought? Don't, I don't give him zero, but I think you make some great points. I'm actually going to be writing about this, so I don't want to spoil too much. But I'd, I'm I'm ready to move on from people calling Desmond Bain a shooter. I hear you. He is a fantastic shooter. Don't get me wrong. He is a shooter. But he's much, much more than a shooter. Uh, he's one of the most efficient players in the NBA going to the basket this season by a lot. Uh, he's like in that elite group with like Luca and, and some of those guys. But that's how good he's been. So... Uh, and I think his teammates agree with him based on some of the conversations I've had, uh, or agree with me, I should say, based on some of the, the conversations that we've had. And, and here's the thing that, you know, I think is, is nice uh, for the Grizzlies mm-hmm. amid all of these injury problems. Desmond Bain spent an entire summer preparing to be ready to play those first 25 games without John Morant. Yep preparing to make these reads and play point guard, preparing to deal with every double team that was going to come his way, preparing to have all of the angles around the basket that you talked about because he knew that they're not going to be able to just shoot their way through a season uh, or through the first 25 games of the season. And now it is all on his shoulders. Um, There's very little pressure. He just gets to go out and play the rest of this season and showcase what he's capable of doing. Um, but we should stop talking about Desmond Bain as a shooter. Um, he's a fantastic three-point shooter. He's an elite Facts. three-point shooter, but he's much more than a shooter. Facts. Uh, I can't wait to read the piece. We're talking, of course, to Drew Hill, a fantastic Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian. Read his insight at dailymemphian.com. All right, I got to ask you because it doesn't sound like you were surprised, um, or at least not as, surpri- as surprised as the rest of us. Nick Saban stepping down, uh, has built a dynasty at Alabama, uh, there's no question about that, and I've already seen the news where at least it looks like, at least as we were coming on to the show, Dan Lanning, one of the, the the top guys, or at least the betting favorite to replace him, has already said he's going back to Oregon. You, I had seen, tweeted, because I saw it. You said you said if these rumors are true, and it put out a list of guys yeah. to replace Nick Saban. So I'll go back to the, the original question. You were not shocked, or at least as shocked as the rest of us by the news? No, um, these rumors have been swirling. Okay. Uh, and I think <laughs> one of the dead giveaways to this that people didn't really pick up on was that Nick Saban bought a huge house in Jupiter, Florida. When? And when did he, he do it? Uh, I think it was a few months before the season ended or just a, maybe okay. like a month before the season ended. And he made that, he made that home his primary home. So, mm. like, uh, for tax purposes and whatnot. And so... That means he's got to live in Florida for an extended period of time in order to make that happen. Um, So maybe that was a giveaway before anybody really noticed. Um, I am disappointed that they weren't able to get Dan Lanning because I think he would have been the perfect guy for the job, to be honest. Um, Now that he's out of the picture, I I think Lane would be awesome at, at Alabama. He could get every player. He would put up a bunch of points every single game. Given the way that that tenure ended, it may be a little bit of an unrealistic wish for myself, mm-hmm. um, for for my own purposes. Um, and so, and I don't know if Saban would really want Lane to replace him at Alabama. Yeah. So it's probably unrealistic to think about that. Our guy Mike Norvell might be getting a call here shortly. Man, I'm like, with I- you. And I heard it discussed, you know, and the more people talked about Mike Norvell, the more I thought, man, that's perfect fit, a perfect fit. Yeah, and the way that this Florida State and ACC battle is going down, exactly. it's your chance to get out of there and come to Alabama. Now, here's, you would be starting over, but Florida State's going to lose a lot this offseason anyway. Yep. I mean, we saw what they lost just in the bowl game alone. I would not be surprised if he is on the short list of candidates. And Dabo Sweeney just seems so easy. I know that's not who fans want, and that's not who I want. He hasn't really caught up with the times of college football. Right. But he's he's like a safety net. He played there. He's oh, sure. there. 
I think for sure, if it comes down to it, they'll just make that happen. Um, but I, I do think that Mike Norvell should should top him on this list. I, I agree. Proven to be a better coach. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the the other wild cards in this, and I, I think that there's a there's potential that maybe it's a list. It's a name that people aren't thinking about. I, I D'Amico Ryan's played at Alabama. He's got the Texans in the playoffs right now. Sure does. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if he would take that job given what he has in Houston because he's got what looks to be a franchise quarterback. No doubt. All the fans are obviously really happy with him, and so I, I'm not sure if they'll be able to pry him away. But they could certainly try. Uh, he is an Alabama grad and player, former player, so there's a possibility there. And like. You may see some some wild names pop up in this before it's over, just because of the pull that the university has. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Tomlin got a call. That would be <laughs> that would be out there, right? But like, that wouldn't shock me if they thought maybe they had a chance to go get him. He's been in Pittsburgh for a long time. Fans love him. I don't know if he would leave. Probably not. But you you can make that call. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm I'm rooting for Mike though. I'm rooting for Mike just because every interaction I've had with him, I love his intensity. Yep. I love the way he operates a program. I felt bad for him that he got left out of the playoffs. That's tough. Um, and you know that, that that may end up uh, he may end up going from from that to landing what is probably the biggest job in college football. So I'm hopeful that uh, that they give. Uh, our guy Mike Norvell uh, a chance down there. All right. I can't hold you all day, but I do want to know. Uh, you know, I, I I love you too because you're a Bears fan like me. OC, you got you got a top pick for offensive coordinator. So if we clean house on the offensive side and uh, see if your list there is like uh, as good as your list for Alabama coach was. I don't know. Well, you got a top. You don't care. Well, you care. Come on, this is for Caleb Williams. You you do you agree with me? that there's no way you're firing your entire offensive staff, your QB's coach, and your offensive coordinator to give Justin Fields a, a third coordinator in four seasons, that it's writing on the wall that you're moving for Fields and that this clean-out looks like it's for a new QB? Do you, do you buy that logic? I'm frustrated that they didn't give uh, – that they, they didn't just give him a complete reboot, right? And last week, I, I think I was on the show saying this isn't an easy decision, right? This is – well, he made it a little easier on. against Green he made Bay, it didn't he? A little he? easier, right? Okay. You yes. can't, yes. You can't score zero touchdowns Thank against you. a defense that just gave up thirty points. Amen. So, I think the writing's on the wall. Yep. Um, okay. As far as an OC goes, I, I don't know. I, like the, the NFL is so different than college football because when you're creating a list for the very best job, you can think about the very best candidates. The Bears need to get deep in the weeds and try to go find some offensive genius who people aren't thinking about. That's what they need to try to do. You're probably right. Um, yeah. And so, I, I don't know. I didn't love the Luke Getze hire. I've had enough of trying to hire, like, the, the West Coast offense Packers guys. Let's try something different. <laughs> like, let's go to the Shanahan tree or something. I'm with I don't it. know. we we got to change something up. So, um, I, I, I don't know who they should hire as the O.C., but I'm just disappointed that they're bringing Eberflus back, to be honest. Me too. I wanted to upgrade. When Vrabel got fired, I said, let's go get him. Uh, I thought that even Vrabel would have been an upgrade in my mind. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I would have preferred that they just can Eberflus as well. But, um, Drew, you're doing great work. Keep it up. Read him over at the Daily Memphian. Follow him on Twitter at DrewHill underscore DM. Drew, thank you, brother. Yep, thanks, guys. See you. Yep, he is Drew Hill. Again, read him at DailyMemphian.com. He's not a he, – he has a right to brag on himself or at least try to, to point you over the direction. They're doing great work over at DailyMemphian.com. He inherited on the podcast. He's got a ton of uh, articles up, a timeline really about the blows, and they just keep coming, including this, uh, this most recent blow uh, that Marcus Smart is going to be out for an extended period, reevaluated in six weeks after uh, – a diagnosed rupture of the proximal interphalangeal joint central slip. Pretty smooth saying that because um, it doesn't – I don't understand it. We were saying, yeah, you know, I guess Brad and I were being a little naive uh, the last couple of days and hoping that that thing – you could, oh, you can just pop it back in. It'll be sore for a couple of days. Maybe it must a game or two. It will certainly be more than that. That's, uh, that's more damage than just a pop back in finger. You know a little something about – 
dislocated fingers, don't you, Connor? You don't know? Maybe? Never happened to you? No. No, not like no, that? No, I bet Gabe I does, though. You, you, well, as a, as a lineman, yeah, I bet that thing with how your fingers get caught yeah, up no, and pads. I've, I've and never dislocated Baseball any. guy, it never happened I've to you, I've never broken huh? anything. <laughs> You've never broken anything? Like, I've broken like a toe, and so, but nothing, nothing like major. Really? Yeah. I popped my elbow when I was Maybe it's because you're so. Maybe it's because it. you're so tough. <laughs> yeah, 100%. No, seriously, unbreakable. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. No, this is it, it's another blow, and, and like we said, Drew's got the timeline out over DailyMemphian.com. Um, for me, you know, and I'm I'm much like I, I, I'm I'm just a realist here. As as great as it was to see him play this well, and and maybe it did. Maybe talking to you, Connor, and talking to Drew has sort of convinced me because I was hot on well, preserve him so you can trade him. But when you think about, and Drew pointed out, and you have to me too, the investment that you got that you put into getting them, the couple of first rounders you traded them, one was, you know, the, that Golden State pick. Um, they probably want to see this through, or at least to the point that you get Marcus Smart to next year. You've got till the trade deadline to figure out, okay, to either confirm whatever else, what you thought that it can work with him. Um, you've got till then to make a move next year's trade deadline. And so my my whole point, I've been hot to try to oh man preserve him. Uh, don't let you know, don't 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 let don't run him into the ground so that in the case that you can you know get a good return for a guy like Marcus Smart, maybe with a pick or whatever else, uh, you do that. But. You know, talking to you guys, the more I talk to you guys, the more it, it does seem to make sense that with what they've invested, it's not the more realistic route is probably, okay, what well, well, we are. We're going to preserve him, but for the plan to have him next season, along with guys like Vince Williams Jr., guys that we know are, are, are outstanding. Did you see Woj called him? He was developed into an outstanding wing defender. Yeah. Even Woj, you, you know, uh, the, the, the word's gotten out on Vince Williams Jr., uh, it does. The more I talk to you guys, the more I'm convinced that's probably the better plan. And thinking, too, I'm probably thinking too grandiose. You're not going to be able to fleece some team for Marcus Smart just because he's had one of the best stretches of his offensive career or right now he's, you know, or was healthy. You're probably not going to get back anything like what you put out to go get him. And so um, I'm with that plan. I'm with that plan so long as he's healthy going into next year and everything else. But, again, I, I just I wouldn't not take calls if uh, if one came. But – uh, the more I talk to you guys, the more I think you're right that that's the way that will go is is bring him back. And um, there's a good chance, you know, you got all your pieces next year. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 